My name is Linda Berry, and it's my privilege to welcome you this morning to worship at St. Paul's United Methodist Church. A word of explanation for those of you here in our sanctuary, Gwen, who was to have been in this spot this morning, uh, her husband Fred fell last night. They took him to the hospital. He is home, and they are at home this morning, but uh, she could not be here, and so I'm filling in in her stead. Um, we want to welcome you and remind those of you in the sanctuary that we are passing forward our attendance pads now. So please sign them so we have a record of your attendance. And remember that they come forward in your section. Please do not pass them across the aisles. Um, and for those of you who are worshiping with us through our Facebook live stream, we welcome you. And we would invite you to either like our live stream or leave a comment so that we have a record of your participation. Uh, some announcements. Uh, it is time again for us to serve our manna meals, and we're doing sandwiches to people on the streets these days. Today, after worship, we will be meeting in the fellowship hall downstairs to prepare sandwiches. And I have been told that it will take no more than an hour. So you are invited to join us. Uh, please come down and help. And then, if you would like to help deliver sandwiches tomorrow, we will be meeting here at the church at 11.15 tomorrow morning. So you're invited to be a part of that very special ministry. Also, again, a food thing, two weeks from today, on February the 5th, we're going to have a fellowship pancake breakfast. Yeah. Now, this will be the second time that we have done this, and if you came before, it's great food. You don't have to bring anything. Just come with smiles on your faces and a, an empty tummy that we can fill up. So please join us at that time. Um, and so now I'll pass this over to our senior pastor, uh, Reverend Kathy Brown. Good morning, St. Paul's. And I have to say, choir, good morning. What a joy to have, have the choir loft filled. Um, for those of you that pay attention to our liturgical colors, you probably know that we are now in the season of green, and you're going, Kathy, why are you wearing an orange stole today? This, <laughs> OSU did win yesterday, but this is uh, the peace and justice stole, and I have made a, a commitment to myself that every Sunday that follows the Saturday night of a mass shooting where people are killed, I am going to wear this stole to remember <clears throat> that we have got to, as a community, work to get gun violence under control. There were 10 people, one I heard on the news this morning, more, more may have passed, but 10 people that were shot um, in Monterey Park in California. So that's why I'm wearing this stole this morning. Um, <clears throat> I also want to remind you, we've been talking about the book, Making Sense of the Bible. We will be starting that book study on Tuesday, February 7th. You have three choices of times to come, Tuesdays at 2.30, or Sunday morning before church, or Sunday after church. Next Sunday, Emily will have some uh, books. For those of you that <clears throat> would like for us to order one for you, we'll have some books next week uh, for you. They'll be $17 uh, for those. And I do hope that even if you're not going to take the study that you read the book, I'll be talking about it a little bit later today, but it really is a good overview of how the Bible was put together and looking at um, different aspects of it. One of the things that we have been so thankful about is that 
This is a church that truly does believe that this is a place where children belong. And what a joy that we now have Sloan as our children's director and <coughs> Lolly as our volunteer coordinator for the nursery. But we need some more volunteers. It's wonderful to say, oh yeah, we want children and youth and we've got a youth program that today is going on a interfaith tour. So if you would like to volunteer one Sunday a month or one Sunday every six to eight weeks, if you would let Emily know, she'll make sure that uh, you get all the um, forms needed and all the paperwork done. Then my only other announcement is I will be leaving right after church today. I am going to Camp McDowell, which is just north of Birmingham, Alabama. I will be spending a week there. Uh, and I just ask for your prayers. It is a time where clergy and laity from all over the United States are coming together for a time of worship and reflection and renewal and solitude and prayer. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about it <coughs> in the sermon. but. Please know that I will be holding you in prayer while I'm there and ask that you hold us in prayer as well. Those are all of my announcements, Linda. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks for this day. God, we give you thanks that you called us here this morning, whether you called us to the sanctuary or whether you called us to be in worship online. God, we know we don't have to ask you to be present to us. Instead, we ask that you help us be present to you. Help us remove the distractions, open our hearts and open our ears so that through our time together, we can experience the risen Christ and leave today transformed. Amen. And I will say it is wonderful to see we've got some family members that are here on this Sunday and it's just wonderful to see you here today. Thank you. St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, race, income, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All are welcome into our family. Well, good morning, church. It's so wonderful to be in worship with you and to come together in a time of prayer. So let us join our hearts together um, as we come before God and bring our concerns, our joys, um, and acknowledge all of those places in the world that still need God's healing touch. Eternal God, you are the maker of us all and we are your creation people formed in your image as individuals, as community, formed and fed and furnished with understanding of who you are and of who we are and whose we are. We worship you today in recognition of your calling, of your communicating, of your caring to invite us to share in your creative and healing work. We are here because we have heard you speak to us and through others. Help us, O oh God, to respond to you and your invitation to your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, of all our moments, of our days and our nights, you speak and you act in the world around us, not only to call all people to you, but also to direct and guide us in a way of healing and wholeness. Awaken us, God, to hear what you would say to us. 
Help us to open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to your presence. Help us to know when it is your voice we are, your voice we are hearing and when it is our prejudices and our desires which we are paying heed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, we pray that your church may rise up with renewed commitment in answer to your call, that your people may be instruments of your grace and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for those who consider themselves inadequate and dismiss or avoid your calling in their lives. Give them a new vision, a vision in which you are their strength and their hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for those who, in answering your call, must leave the known for the unknown, the oasis for the desert, the comfortable for the uncertain. Grant these persons courage and steadfast faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray, too, today, O God, for those in want and in need, for those of us and of the larger community who suffer in body or in soul. We remember those now and bring them to you as we say their names in the silence of our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Loving God, bless us all with abundant faith, a fruitful ministry, and a joyful life. Bless us and all those who gather together to continue the work of Jesus, who came to heal, save, and deliver us all, and who taught us to pray as one family, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning is one that is very familiar to you. It's Jesus calling his disciples to come and follow me. And as you may remember, for most of the year, our gospel reading will be from Matthew. Now I say most because there are exceptions to that. We'll have John sprinkled in every once in a while. But for the writer of Matthew, part of his goal is to help the hearers of the story to know that Jesus is indeed the long-awaited Messiah. And the writer of Matthew will often quote Hebrew scripture to make sure we understand that point. And we'll see that in today's scripture as Matthew quotes from the book of, from the prophet Isaiah. I'll be reading from Matthew 4, 12 through 23. This is a reading from the gospel, so I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. 
From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brother, brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among people. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For indeed, you are our rock and our redeemer. And God, at this time, I ask you to help me to step back and fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word, not mine, that is heard. So that it is your word that lands in our heart. So that it is your word that pops into our brain throughout the week and causes us to ponder. So it is your word that leads us to transformation. Gracious God, open our ears and open our hearts to receive your word. It's in your name we pray, amen. So the calling of the disciples can be found in all four of our gospels. Matthew and Mark are very similar in their telling of the, of the story. Jesus is baptized and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And then when he learns that John has been arrested, he begins his ministry by calling his disciples. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus is baptized, and then he begins his ministry. <clears throat> he preaches, and he teaches, and he heals, and he goes back to Nazareth, his hometown, and he speaks in the synagogue, and he's run out of his own hometown. So he moves to Galilee. He preaches, and he teaches, and he becomes well-known. The crowds gather, and then he calls his disciples. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus is walking through the village of Bethany, and John is with some of his disciples, and he says, hey, I baptized that guy the other day, and while I was doing it, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. John's disciples were intrigued, and they said to Jesus, where are you staying? And his reply to them was, come and see. Come and see what I'm doing, and see if you want to be a part of it. So why are the stories so different? And which one of these stories are we supposed to believe? Yes, sometimes the Bible can be confusing and sometimes the stories can contradict themselves. And when I used to come to the discrepancies in the Bible or if I came across passages I simply didn't like, I treated them like I treat physics. I simply chose not to think about it or even try to make sense of it. I dismissed it and went on. Now in our current Methodist division and dis disaffiliation, you may hear that some people say 
that they're choosing to leave the United Methodist Church because those that are choosing to stay don't really believe or follow the Bible. Friends, that is so far from the truth. Our Christian faith is built on the Bible. But for us to interpret it and to make sense of it and to understand how there can be stories that seem contradictory, we need to have a deeper understanding of the overall Bible so that we don't have to simply shrug our shoulders in confusion. And friends, that's why I'm encouraging you to join us as we read together Making Sense of the Bible. And if the book discussion isn't for you, I encourage you to read it on your own. And if you have questions, come and find me or Emily or anyone else who might be reading it and <coughs> um, processing it all. I will tell you that Adam Hamilton, he has an easy to read and, to read and process writing style. I think you will enjoy reading the book. And I am confident that we will all come away from it with a better understanding of the Bible. So let's look at Matthew's version of the calling of the disciples. Jesus has been baptized, he goes into the wilderness, and then he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, which is relatively close to Jerusalem. And then he learns that King Herod has arrested John. And then he leaves Nazareth and he goes to Capernaum, a seafaring village in Galilee. It's farther away from Jerusalem Kind of like Jesus is on purpose trying to get off the radar screen for a little bit. And he begins his ministry. And then the first thing we learn about this time in Capernaum is that he's walking along the seashore. He sees two fishermen and he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Now sometimes when I read and reflect on this passage, I imagine that this is Peter and Andrews. It's the first time they've seen Jesus. I like to imagine that there's something so charismatic, so holy about him, that without even thinking, they drop everything they're doing and they follow him. Wow, what a story of faith. There must have been something about this man. And God's spirit must have been so strong in Peter and Andrew that they didn't even think about it. They jumped at the opportunity to follow him, and they left everything behind. But then that interpretation makes me think, there is no way that I would do that. It makes me doubt my faith, and it makes me think the journey to follow Jesus is too hard for me. It's too big of a sacrifice. The image of this story that resonates with me is that Jesus knew Peter and Andrew and James and John. He lived in that village. They were about the same age. I picture them being friends, swapping stories, and sharing bits of their lives with one another. And as Jesus envisions his ministry, he knows he's going to need others to help him. So as he's walking one morning along the seashore, he sees them and he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of people. You see, maybe in some of their conversations, they've heard him talking about his ministry. Maybe they were already intrigued about the work that he would be doing. So when he invites them, they are ready and eager to follow. They are not following the unknown. 
They are following someone they know, someone they trust, someone that is trying to bring forth goodness into the world, and they want to be a part of that. Now, I have to admit, I have always had trouble with the image of, I will make you fishers of people. You see, I don't fish. I like to sit on the boat, and I actually even like to hold a fishing pole in my hand because it makes me think that I'm doing something. But there is no bait on the end of my pole, and I have no intention or desire to catch anything. So for me, that image of fishing for people made me think of casting out the line with an enticing bait on it, and when they clamp down, reeling them in against their will. Not an image I like. But you see, that's not what Jesus was saying. Let's put it into cultural context. Capernaum, like all of the surrounding area, was under Roman rule. Caesar was in charge, and everyone, everyone worked for Caesar. The Roman government had control over everything, and the taxes were incredibly high, and especially in the fish industry. So in essence, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they fished not for themselves, they were fishing for Caesar. So Jesus is saying, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of people, not fishers of Caesar. Come and follow me and we will help transform the world for the better for the people, not for the Roman Empire. Come and follow me, and let's work together to bring God's goodness to the people. And did you notice that Peter and James and John and Andrew, Jesus came to them in their everyday, ordinary moments. Jesus came to them where they were. Jesus found them doing what they do, simply living their lives. And it was from that place that he called them. They didn't have to do anything to prepare. There was no test to take or certification to obtain. They simply had to say yes to come and follow me. And that's a call I can follow. A call we can all follow to work side by side, hand in hand with Jesus, to bring goodness into the world. I can follow Jesus because he's not a stranger to me. I trust him. I know him. Sure, Jesus, I will follow you. Yes, I will follow you. Except when I don't. And oh, friends, we have all been there. We have the best of intentions. We're going to bring forth God's goodness everywhere we go. We'll be kind and we'll be loving. We'll stand up for justice and speak up <clears throat> against oppression. We will give generously to the church and other nonprofits that are working for people in need. We'll take care of the earth and we'll protect all of God's creatures. And we will show grace and compassion and kindness to all we meet. Yes, Jesus, we will follow, except when we don't. Because let's be honest, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get off that path a little bit. And friends, if we stopped reading the gospel after this story, we might think that following Jesus would be easy. 
Look how eager these first disciples were. We might think that when we take a detour and don't follow Jesus, that Jesus might give up on us and be sorry that he called us in the first place. But all we have to do is keep reading and look at all the times that Peter, the first disciple called, the one whom Jesus said he would be the rock on which the church was built, if we look at all the times that Peter didn't follow, we know that Jesus keeps calling us back. It's not a one-time invitation. It's an invitation that we get over and over and over again. You see, why do you think Jesus kept saying throughout his ministry, repent? Because repent means turn around. Jesus is saying, repent, Kathy, you went a little bit astray when you were short with that clerk in the grocery store today. Repent, turn around and follow me. Turn around, God's goodness is near. Oh, friends, Peter gets off track so many times. It's one of the things that I love about the stories of Peter. Jesus never says to him, Peter, go away and get your act together and then come back and follow me. No, Jesus just loves him through it and keeps calling him to follow me. You know Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, yet after his death, Jesus appears to Peter and the others on the lake shore and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Then feed my sheep. Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, you let me down when you denied me. Now I'm going to go find somebody else. No, Jesus said, Peter, let's keep going. There's still work to do. Peter, the one who, when he saw Jesus walking on the water, called out to him from his boat, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus called Peter, and he started out on the water. But then he got scared, and he started sinking. And he cried out, Lord, save me. You see, at that point, Peter had the faith to go out on the water, but he didn't have enough faith to keep afloat. But Jesus doesn't chastise him and hold it over his head over and over and over again. Peter, remember that time when you didn't believe me and, believe me and have faith in me? No. Jesus simply reaches out his hand for Peter to grab. Peter, one of the disciples that Jesus takes with him to the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before his death. Jesus asks him to keep watch and to pray. But what does Peter do? He falls asleep. Yet Jesus still called him. Friends, those are just a few of the stories of Peter having the best of intentions but getting it wrong having the desire to follow in the ways of Jesus, but sometimes getting off track. You see, I am thankful for Peter because he reminds me that when we get off track, when we don't follow Jesus, Jesus keeps calling us, telling us to turn around and follow. Jesus doesn't use threats of this is what will happen to you if you don't. Jesus doesn't scold us and he doesn't turn his back on us. No, friends, Jesus looks at us with those smiling eyes filled with love and he extends the invitation again and again and again to follow me. I have to admit that I am very grateful for the opportunity, the timing is good for me, to attend the Spiritual Formation and Renewal Academy. 
It's actually a two-year process. We meet for one week each quarter for two years. It's a week that we spend in worship, in workshops, and a great deal of time in solitude and silence for prayer and reflection. It is a time of no phones, no iPads, no computers, no television, and periods throughout the day and evening when we can't talk with those around us. It's a time for reconnecting and listening to God. It's built on the Benedictine monastic model. I ask for your prayers because if you know me, you know that I'm usually texting somebody at 6.30 in the morning and I'm replying to emails at 11 o'clock at night. This will be a hard rhythm for me to get into. But for the last several months, I have realized that there are many times when I might be doing God's work. I'm sorry, let me change that. When I'm doing God's work, but I'm not following in the footsteps of Jesus. You see, I have found sometimes that I've been trying to do it on my own. Not intentionally, but it was happening. You may have remembered a few months ago I mentioned to you that I've noticed I've been a bit crabby lately. I tried to make excuses for it, but the crabbiness was there. In November, our SPRC, our Staff Parish Relations Committee, had their evaluation. I appreciate this committee because they speak with us very honestly about these are the strengths we see and these are some areas that we think we want to bring to your attention. And at the end of our evaluation period, they looked at me and said, Kathy, how are you doing? I said, I'm good, I'm good. Really, Kathy, how are you doing? Well, I thought they were referring, remember I just had hip surgery, thought they were referring to my hip. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, it's doing well. Kathy, how are you doing? I'm okay, why are you asking? Because you've seemed a bit terse lately. Sometimes when you come into church, you're very short with people. And I thought, ooh, there's some truth to that. It was a fair and it was a valid statement. I was so busy doing God's work that I had lost track of what was really important, being fully present. And I thought I was making progress on that. And then a few weeks ago, I came in the sanctuary and I, on a Sunday morning and I said hi to our tech team. And one of them said, well, you're in a good mood today. And I said, well, aren't I usually in a good mood? And his reply was, Kathy, you're never in a bad mood, but sometimes you're just really focused. As I've prepared for this retreat, because we've had much reading to do, I have realized that I desperately need this time to intentionally reconnect to God without the busyness of the world so that I can focus on following Jesus rather than getting everything done that needs to be done. And my guess is many of you have been in that place. You get so focused on that. You see the statement, sometimes you are just really focused, is incomplete. Sometimes I'm just really focused on the wrong things. 
Yes, getting things done is important, but following Jesus needs to always be our focus. And yes, there will be tasks along the way, things that need to be get, do get done, but friends, our focus should always be following Jesus, even when, especially when we're getting things done. So I ask for your prayers while I'm gone. I'll be holding you in prayer, and I'll be holding St. Paul's in prayer. But during this week, I am going to do my very best to come to God, not as a pastor, not as a friend, not as a colleague, but to come and stand before God simply as Kathy. You see, friends, I think that's what God wants all of us to do, to lay down all the different roles and responsibilities and put them aside and come to God openly and honestly simply as God's beloved child. For it is with the confidence of being God's beloved child that we can truly respond to Jesus' call to follow me. May it be so. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God, Mother to us all. Amen. My friends, God has searched you and knows every single part of you. And God looks at you. Jesus looks you in the eye, smiles and says, I need you. Come, come and follow me. So my friends know that you have within you everything you need to follow Jesus. You are indeed God's beloved child. Leave this place sharing the grace and the compassion, the love and the forgiveness with all those you meet. Follow Jesus, walk in his steps, and when you don't hear him calling, <laughs> get back on track. Go in peace, go in love. Amen. Amen.